Hello, welcome to episode 31 of We Don't Talk About the Weather, political discussion that to the uninitiated may just sound like screaming and crying. And coughing. And coughing. coughing. <laughs> Endlessly coughing. <laughs> coughing and coughing. I actually, that was actually, uh, that was political discussion to, to the uninitiated, made it sound like screaming and crying. You just finish like, off. Oh, that's a compulsive disorder, I've got to yeah. finish it out. I've got to finish, finish the, the, it's the catchphrase, it's what, it's what people have come to expect. <laughs> if we don't do it, they'll stop listening. <laughs> I was a prophet last week, all my coughing over everything we were talking about, and then Theresa May just uh, starts coughing in the middle of the speech. I gave her they that didn't disease. Hear your I, get, I edit it all out. Did you edit it all out? I Is think it... I did. Well, I was coughing. Like, okay, well, in real life. I spent hours editing you. <laughs> it takes so long. I've taken advice from one of our friends, and I've started a folder of all your foibles. <laughs> it could be the Christmas blooper reel. It's, it's unbearable to listen to. It's so horrible. It's just... Um, uh, <coughs> I'm a very vocal, open person. Sounds like an early corn not, album. Uh... <laughs> anyway. Yeah. We're on episode 31. Yep. We're coming to the end of conference season. We were going to split up the Labour and Tory conference, but we're sick of it, so yep. we're going to do them both this episode. Fuck and em. she's just finished as well. She did finish her speech a bit earlier. Yeah. We're recording a bit later, and she, fin- she finished her speech today, so yeah. we'll do that. Yeah. Fuck them. I'm done. I'm done with parliamentary politics. You just don't like They're the organ. Right. You right. just don't like organised politics. You want, like, <laughs> single issue, like, gaffes and <laughs> japes. Well, no. It's... If ever, like... If if I believed that parliamentary democracy could be used as a path for socialism, any belief of that, any belief in that was gone by the end of watching all the conference season. <laughs> I hate politics. I hate every single MP. It's... I hate everyone around the MPs. I hate I hate the techies who build their sets. Monsters to a man. It's the most gamified it gets. It's yeah, I mean it's, it's always they all they all treat it like a game. Um, but conference season is the time when they really have like they have their score sheets and the media joins in. They're all together. They're all in the same hotels, yeah. and it nothing reinforces kind of your otherness, apartness from politics yeah. as much as politicians and media figures banging in the toilets at yeah. in Brighton or Bournemouth or wherever. It was in Manchester. The um, Dawn Dawn Foster. No, that's the MP. Dawn. On no, Twitter, yeah. no, Dawn Foster is the journalist. Dawn Butler is the MP. That's the one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she heard two Tories banging in the toilet. And then another Tory hit on her by saying, Hello, Mummy. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard to stereotype Tories these days because they are everything you think. Because they're doing things like coming up to women and saying, Hello, Mummy. Or being Jacob Rees-Mogg saying, we'll put, a, put my despicability to one side for a minute. Or they're saying, Libya is a land of opportunity once we clear away the corpses. Let's let's use that as a nice segue into the into the uh, Labour conference. We'll yeah, talk we'll about come back that. to the Tories. We'll come back to the Tories. We're going to do Labour first. Yeah, um, we're not going to do Labour first because they're terrible. But like you know, <laughs> we'll put yeah. Um, so yeah, the Labour conference. What did you think of the Labour conference? Um, there was understandably kind of this euphoric mm. outpouring, this celebration, and you know what? Fine, it's great. The left deserves a win. Yeah. They feel like they have a win, and this was their this was their victory lap, which is cool. Um, yeah. Jeremy Corbyn put forward more of those same kind of policies. He's realised that universal benefits and nationalising things tends to be quite popular. Yeah. There was that poll that came I out. I think he's always realised it, but everyone around him has now as well. Yeah, they hadn't realised the 
general popularity hmm. of those kind of policies. Yeah, when and all those. That's one of the main things with the conference. Watching a whole nest of snakes sliver back and pretend they've always liked him, or saying Tom Watson with his speech. With um, I realised that sometimes it's better to be loved than feared. Thank you, Jeremy. Just like I hate you, Tom Watson. When has anyone feared Tom Watson? Exactly. Other than the most recent buffet chef. <laughs> Like, oh, that's a bit mean. I'm sure he's pretty fucking... Yeah, it was a fat joke. That's right. Tom Watson is not off bounds. <laughs> I would I would actually fear I'm him. I'm coming for you, Ken Clark. I would fear him if he came, if he was in a matchmaking team on Destiny. I imagine he would be nothing but a liability. Is he a Destiny player? I know he's a Warcraft player. He's a big-time Destiny player. He's a dirtbag Destiny player like me. He's trash. <laughs> the two big things that came up... That we're kind of, we're not going to go through the conference other than to talk about gossip and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Other than to say that that's what it was. It was their victory lap. Yeah. There were two things that came out that were kind of big stories during it. Which yeah. The first one was before Jeremy Corbyn gave his speech and before we had the kind of retrospectives, which was the anti-Semitism yeah. uh, argument came up again. The anti-Semitism yeah. claims. There was a fringe meeting where there's this, I cannot remember, I tried to look up his name, could not remember it. No. He's an... Palestinian, uh, he's an Israeli mm. American, but he's a uh, favors a binational solution to Israel Palestine. So, one country, one people, yeah, with different ethnicities or, or religions, or yeah. however you would prefer to define it, yeah. And he questioned the fact that he, he was speaking off the, I don't know, off the cuff or, or scripted or whatever. He does seem like a terrible free speech. He's he. I think he's quite a militant free speech guy, um, which in the context of Israel, yeah, you know, that's definitely a, a mm-hmm. thing that Palestinian activists have had to have had to deal with for a long time. During the speech, he said, "We should be free to debate anything." You know, the Palestinian problems, yes, no. The Holocaust, yes, no, which was what everyone issue. seized on. Yeah, and it was it was a fringe meeting. There was, I believe. There was a Labour MP there, but it's that kind of guilt by association thing of they've already spun this narrative about the Labour Party being, to its core, yeah. anti-Semitic. Yeah. Note that I'm not saying not anti-Semitic at all, mm. because I'm sure there are. There yeah. probably are in every party. Well, yeah, I think I think there probably is. I think there's um there is a there's a strand of the left which you know do like the kind of Rothschilds control the world kind of part. Mm. There's an awful lot of that in the Tories as well. Yeah. There's and a there's there's even more in you. There's even the there's even the shades of grey like, you know, Ken Cl- uh, Ken Livingston yeah. and Ken Loach, who yeah. they I don't believe that they're anti Semitic, no. but they have a problem with their fucking terminology every time they open their mouths where mm. they can't use the word Israel without substituting it for the Jews or yeah. Jewish or yeah. something like that, which, to my mind, just adheres to the idea that the Israeli state has about itself that it represents all Jews. Well, I think it's what it comes back to is um, it's one of the problems with all political parties at the moment, and it's mainly the people who are the people in the Labour Party who keep on having these anti-Semitism gaffes. Yeah, um, they're all old. Mm. They wouldn't you wouldn't hear this with the, any of the younger ones. No, because they've been to a certain extent, brought up in that environment where those words matter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. I, they... it, was a, it, was a, it was a dumb thing that then got blown out to the traditional narrative, which is the Labour Party has a problem with anti-Semitism, and without ever actually defining 
what that is because they're not full of Holocaust deniers. No. They're not full of neo-Nazis by definition. Hmm. It's dumb. Yeah. It's dumb. It's that thing of, um, because Nigel Farage always brings it out. Hmm. He always says, with with UKIP, we explicitly made it so the BNP couldn't join our party. And it's like, well, you literally had to. Anne-Marie Waters. Yeah. She literally lobbied for, um, who was it? It was Pegida. She helped set up Pegida in the UK, and she was uh, one of those ones that's named like National Action or something. One of those uh, the neo-Nazi groups. Yeah, but she know she did win. Hmm. (laughs) Lib Dem did. Stupid UKIP. Stupid Lib Dems. (laughs) But yeah, um, they did pass a good. They passed a thing on racism that's harsher than before and specifically mentions anti-Semitism. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, it, I think they're dealing with it. It should be, I think, yeah. I, I genuinely don't think that Jeremy Corbyn is a bad person that wants anti-Semites in his party. But it's an easy slur. I mean, yeah. it's the old, it, in many ways, the weird setup and the weird history in Europe is that anti-Semitism is like one of the big slurs that you can mm. throw at people and you should fight against the kind of normalisation of that. Like, there's a lot of people in Trump's cabinet who've kind of said those things like Steve Bannon has said mm. stuff about about not letting his daughters go to school with Jews and things like yeah. that, which is a weird thing. I don't, I've, I've ne- I don't think I've ever been around specific or casual anti-Semitism no. in in my life. Like I don't, I would, I wouldn't have known what it was until I was ed- like culturally educated into think, the way people think about things think, and watch Family Guy, of course. <laughs> I think my nan was anti-Semitic. I, yeah, but I'm pretty certain she never met a Jew. Mm. Or if she did, she didn't know. Yeah, because like, yeah, well, yeah. It, it's a specific, and that you know, you shouldn't, you also shouldn't undermine that kind of thing. Mm, mm. You know, you, you should never say, well, it can't possibly, it can't possibly happen. It's an well, no, old, course, well, it's an is, olden form of racism because. Well, the thing is, it's a hard one because, it, of course, me and you haven't really seen any anti-Semitism because we're not Jews. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, Absolutely. So why would we? Yeah. Um. But I believe I believe that um i believe some of the people in the labor party who feel uncomfortable i don't believe all of them no because some of them just complain about anything that's even slightly to the left of blair yeah they've used it as they've used it as a club to beat yeah which then the left which then makes it makes it harder to actually deal with what's actually there yeah yeah it's annoying yeah so the other the other kind of question we were going to approach with the Labour conference mm. was where does it go from here? Mm. Where does Labour go from here? They've just had this astonishing comeback. They are leading the the kind of the discourse, the discussions around yeah. what policies are going to be yeah, enacted the in the future. They the Tories are chasing them, yeah. which is a massive turnaround from the last twenty years. Yeah. And really, that what what state is the Labour Party in? Because there's some things that kind of trouble me a little bit i'm not a member Mm. i I probably won't ever be a member just for what you said about you know parliamentary means to Mm. the parliamentary path to socialism and and all that kind of stuff but i would certainly be tempted Mm. however there's a kind of some of the patterns you see with the the like left media the new left media around the labor party specifically around the corbynite Mm. corbynista whatever you want to call it movement kind of has me slightly worried in, in reading those patterns of the way people build their careers. Yeah. And it's not to say that they're careerist or that they don't want a left-wing victory, but the kind of insider-outsider um, di- dynamic that goes along with yeah. stuff like Navarra Media. Again, not done anything wrong, yeah. but the kind of 
overwhelming enthusiasm and the kind of like bravado that comes out of that can be a little bit off-putting. Yeah, so club mentality, which virtually... Well, it's like the Labour Party had it for years. Yeah. Um, like all of our... Well, all the time we were growing up, it was a very Blairite thing. Mm. And then all the other little left parties have always been like that, like mm. SWP and all that lot. Mm. Um, they've always been quite... They're cliquey. Inward looking. Yeah, they're cliquey. At the, and at it's the, at the very thing. least, they're cliquey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, it, it's a thing that just, you know, makes me a bit nervous as well. It was always a thing when I was like reading left-wing blogs and forums, mm. um, like when I was in my early 20s. It was always a thing of like, ah, yes, the next generation of Guardian columnists. Yeah. And there's always that worry. I don't think, the, I actually don't think that it's going to be the same this time in the same way that Gen X grew up to become no. centrist dads. No, Sam Chris will just become Simon Heffer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll just go full far right. <laughs> I don't think the material circumstances around print media generally... That is a joke. ...actually, facilit- <laughs> actually facilitates um, that kind of no. generational turnover. So you won't get the Polly Toynbee's retiring and then somebody coming to take the exact place mm. that she was in. But that is always a worry. Yeah. There's also the kind of worry about what actually, what form Corbynite reform should take. So they've been addressing kind of the parliamentary party um, selection processes. Mm. So, you know, changing people on the, um, the how you elect M- MPs and changing, um, how changing the national executive. Choose a leader and all that kind of shit. That kind of thing. And the kind of the next step that a lot of more of the Corbynites that I agree with is attacking local councils. Yeah. The local councils that are shit and terrible. And to be honest, that probably includes the Scottish Labour Party and Welsh Labour Party as well. Yeah. The people who've kind of coasted. You you, yeah. you end up being a successful person in your region. Mm. You're not quite rich enough to be super rich, but you're rich enough to dominate your local region and therefore you go into the party and become a councillor or yeah. a mayor. We were or talking about like it that. Um, last night. The idea that, in my head anyway, of your average Conservative council member is in the Rotary Club. That yeah. kind of shit. Yeah. yeah. They're not, they've either got kind of repellent personal views or, but they, they're too rich and they've been a member for too long to actually ignore. So you're just like, I'll make them a councillor. Yeah, make them a councillor for this ward. Can't make him an MP or make him a councillor because he keeps on having those weird blackface key parties. <laughs> so when you said blackface key there, I immediately thought of a piano key necktie for some reason. <laughs> oh, God. I... I'm sure they make a, they, they, they feature as well. Yeah, oh god, I've just got an image of those horrible fucking dies in my head now. Ugh. Slung over a very well-appointed banister <laughs> as he leads someone else's wife upstairs. <laughs> One of his famous Chilean key parties. <laughs> but, um, it's, I want them to have... Um, they, they need to change the selection of MPs and they need to make it easier to deselect MPs. Yeah. The idea of a constituency link is bullshit really yeah. I don't need my MP to have grown up in an area most people don't live in the place that they were born in mm. I moved around a lot when I was a kid um, mm. this is the place I've lived in the longest and it's been about 11 years Yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't care if the next MP for Walthamstow had been here for two years mm. that's not going to make them any worse yeah, it's weird because that's a really old-fashioned thing as well. Because yeah. in one of the most like earliest politically centralized European countries, mm. you have an entirely centralized system. So nothing, it, it, there's a kind of 
remnant of the civil war and the fact mm. that monarchical power devolved to parliament and specifically to the prime minister. Yeah. So they have the power to wage war. They can pass everything because they have to be able to pass everything in order to be prime minister. So yeah. you have a very centralised, almost like elected dictatorial system yeah. that then has this supposed check and balance of particular regions. But those regions, those specific regions and constituencies never have a voice mm. because the setup is so is so centrally located, all the powers at the centre. Mm. It's why you get distortions like this. Yeah, the thing is, I think MPs would genuinely be better if instead of, you know, they had to have this weird mythical constituency link, which mm. they don't really have, No, even when they say they do. Well, they don't have the power to do anything about the thing even if they did have the but if, um, constituency if link, there was, when they do. If it was the fact that they did have to appeal to their membership to be selected as leader as the, as their MP for mm. that area every like four or five years. Yeah. They would be better. You wouldn't get the people who just coast along. You wouldn't have situations like um my aunt not knowing that her MP is Chris Bryant for until I told her. Yeah. Um and shit like that. Mm. Um so yeah I'd like them to do something about yeah. that. But you know we'll see. Yeah. I mean the gen the general trend seems to be towards a, a kind of... They're f- wavering between the kind of... There was a really good poll on Twitter the other day. I can't remember who actually put it up, but um, the strands of Corbynism. Yeah. So you had hard Corbynism... Uh, hard, hard Corbynism, Masonic Corbynism, Euphoro-Corbynism, and uh, Melt Corbynism. Okay. So the Melts are the people who... Um, Tom the, the Tom Watsons, the ones who've come around. Yeah. It's pretty self-explanatory. Euphoro Corbynism are kind of the people who like to shout and sing the old Jeremy Corbyn and wear yeah. the t-shirts and all that kind of thing. Difficult to know where they are politically, they're just so happy. Yeah. <laughs> Masonic Corbynism, which is probably the most dangerous one, which is centred around, they've focused on Paul Mason yeah. in particular. Well, he's like the most outspoken racist. Yeah, who's like, no to immigration, but yes to Trident and cops. Mm. Mm. Which is a dangerous thing because that's very easily falls back into the kind of triangulation. I've no doubt that he probably believes that Trident's a good thing or cops the way that they are now are a good thing. It's because he's an idiot. But it's based in the old Blairite triangulation mm. of actually we'll be like the Tories. Mm. We will do the same things because there's some kind of natural link between the white working class and the places they live. and it's like uh, Sensible controls on immigration and sensible use of planet busters. Yeah. It's yeah. dumb. Especially in a period where, like I say, people are chasing Corbyn's mm. lead on yeah. those things. Then there's kind of hard Corbynism, which is probably where I lie, which is what what is this? Where does it go? What are we what are we building? What what mm. are people trying to do here? Mm. You know, it's a spring this should be a, Corbyn should be a springboard to something better. Yeah. yeah. It should be Corbynism or barbarism. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it'd be Things, it's hard to tell because it's not going to be for a while that we're going to find out. Because the conference was good, his speech was good, his ideas are good. Yeah. Um, he still maintains his calm, though. I've got to say that for him. Like, Even he's though always, he's in the throes of the biggest victory he's probably ever had in his life. It's the biggest victory that the left has ever had in this country. Uh, I mean, you, uh, you could... Uh, I suppose it before the. I suppose Attlee isn't really... Well, Attlee always came so with many, conditions. There was so and, much other stuff. You, yeah. Like, um, I imagine that after World War Two, people were a bit tired, more tired than, you know, after all that, than we are after 2008. Yeah. 2008 was our own particular war. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't really... That, 
you know, it's not the same. Yeah, this is a proper. This is a proper victory, and it's good for him. But it would be nice to see what they do next. Yeah. So yeah, what's going? The Tories. So the Tories. They've just. It's so good. Like I've not even got any fucking politics stuff about it. It's all so fucking good, though. The Tories this week have like all week. (laughs) Look how we uptick. We uptick in energy and enthusiasm when we're talking about Tories as opposed to uh, quasi socialist Labour. Yeah, it's like. It's been so much like an episode of the thick of it because you start mm. with that, the thing in um, in the the temple with Boris. Yeah, Boris went to uh, Myanmar. Lot of shit going down in Myanmar at the moment. Yeah, but you know, and he yeah. was in a Buddhist temple and he started quoting the Road to Mandalay, <laughs> which is an old like Kipling poem about the colonial colonial era and about the soul the English soldier missing being in Burma. Yeah, because those beautiful is um. The beautiful Mandalay girls and things like that is so <laughs> fucked up. But it's the funny thing is, it's like I'm not sure which, which what what actually happened. Either he did this deliberately, yeah. or also quite believable that literally ringing the bell did remind him of it, and then he was just completely like couldn't help himself. He just spurts out like imperial classics yeah. just at random. It's a it's a very oh, he's... weird form of dyspraxia or schizophrenia. Boris has always been. The perpetual naughty boy that no one's ever really told off and stopped him. That's why, you know, he's had quite a few failed marriages and a love child. Because no one ever says no to poor Boris. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was funny. And then Boris's speech was... was I didn't see his speech. It was terrible. It was like a proper... It was just aimed entirely at Tories in the most Tory way. It's like, we're brilliant, we're great, we're the best in the world, we invented tea and cricket and and then LBC went to and now for the first response to this beautiful speech by Boris Johnson we go to Stanley Johnson his father oh my son was really good my son was great he's awesome he's brilliant by my book and that was literally what he did and Ian Dale was like oh thank you Stanley Johnson you're such a helpful man I didn't see the speech but uh, from the media coverage I was led to believe that he was some kind of lion he's the he's the new lion the new he U- fr- UKIP lion he pretty much did the Lannister house words of here as raw <laughs> He pretty much did that. It was it was appalling. It was so bad. He made that joke about. I did read that he made that joke about. Um, oh God! Corbyn prefers Bolivarian socialism, but I think uh, he's Caracas. <laughs> Cut to Laura Koonsberg. Well, you can see the populist edge. You can see why he's so popular. <laughs> to the seventy people in the room. Yeah, I say seventy because there was probably about a hundred and twenty, but you know, a good fifty of them would Servants. are brain dead. <laughs> Butlers, they, yeah, a lot of them. They, oh, they, they look like they're dying. Um, the conference in, in its in its entirety looked like it was fucking on its ass dying. Yeah. Um, Bear Grylls was there in his scout uniform. He tried to get is the Bear Tories. Grylls a Tory. He is very much. A Tory. I mean, I'm not surprised. His dad was a Tory like, MP. Oh, okay. The Scouts are not supposed to be there. though. They're literally a charity. Yeah, they're an apolitical yeah. organization. They can't. They are not. Bear Grylls cannot turn them into a child army for the Conservative Party. <laughs> But, um, he tried That's to get... what they are, <laughs> but you can't come out in public and say that. <laughs> Have the Conservative Party door knocker badge. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he tried to get a bunch of the Tory, the, like the Conservative members, to like get up and like get up out of your seats. <laughs> and they're just like, no, no. 
I've just had a three martini lunch. I'm not getting out of this chair until Boris comes on. I can't get up. The gout. <laughs> the gout. So much gout. She pains me. <laughs> there must be so much gout at a Conservative Party conference. Because whenever like, the camera pans over them, just all these puce-coloured people, all of them, you can tell they really like a good claret. <laughs> like, really like... Like, the amount of people there with red wine stains on their carpets. <laughs> Disgusting people, all of them. Mm. Red wine is trash. I love wine. wine. Is... I, I love wine. We're not going to get into this again. All wine is trash. It's not trash. It is trash. Just because you don't like it, then that's it's fine. Trash. Then it's trash. <laughs> Does everyone disappear when you close your eyes as well? They do They do disappear <laughs> when I close my eyes. Um, and the, oh, yeah, then, then we get to Theresa oh, May's speech. Oh, we get to Theresa May's speech, which only happened today. So um, good. I haven't seen it, but I was reading a live blog. It was so good. And so she, she had a few... Issues. It, technical issues? Yeah, the first one was... Health issues? Was um, Chav Face... Terrible comedian. Oh, Lee. the Trav Face minstrel, minstrel show. Yeah, um, what's his name? Lee. Lee Nelson. Yeah. Um, the comedian who played Lee Nelson. Yeah. Excuse um, me. Lee Nelson is his slave name. <laughs> handed him a P, handed her a P45 form and said, Boris told me to give this to you. And it's like, <laughs> it's just terrible. But it's funny. Also, like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah. Um, but he managed to get in. Yeah, all apparently he didn't have a press pass. No, he did. He got he got through. He got he had he'd been vetted. Oh, everything. really? He had all oh, okay. the lanyards and everything. So security for Conservative Party conference terrible. And you'd think after the Brighton bombing, they would have been better at that. <laughs> but obviously not. Well, you know, I'm tapping my forehead here. You can't tell that on a podcast. I'm tapping just, my forehead and just saw that in the back, wink, winking. You know, just just saw that in the hidden back room. <laughs> um, You'll never find it, MI five. <laughs> But, it's um, hidden in the only place you can't go. And then she coughed and spluttered and coughed and spluttered constantly for what felt like forever. She asked Philip Hammond for a cough sweet. No, um, someone Stage. passed him a cough sweet and then he passed it to her and she made a little joke about it. Um, the front, the like all the cabinet looked mortified the whole time. <laughs> she sounded like the <laughs> farmer with his TV programme on the far show. Oh, was constantly yeah, coughing. Yeah. It was hilarious. She sounded at one point. I thought she was going to start coughing up blood because she sounded like so dry and raspy. <laughs> she might actually be dead and only kept like kept animated by a particularly knowledgeable necromancer. That would explain why she's so dry and coughy at the moment. A series of bellows. They're just <laughs> pushing. It's like international interest, <laughs> strong and stable. British dream. Oh, God, yeah, I did read that she was going on and on about... It's a bit fucking late to be talking about the British dream when you've been talking about the difficult decisions that you've had to make that have made everybody significantly poorer and have actually killed people. It's a bit fucking late to be taught to rebrand the American dream. It's amazing. It's it's all they've got left. It's Mm. like, can we be America, like, maybe around the 50s? How do you like that one? No? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, oh, I've got the, nothing left. I know what the British Dream is. It's, um, oh my God, um, Field in England? Yeah, mm. that's the British Dream. It's the, um, <laughs> off it's your take, t- taking off your mushrooms t- in, a, in a field with off an your, alcohist. Off your tits on, mustro- on mushrooms with an alchemist and being tied up and used to find gold. Yeah, <laughs> that that is my British Dream. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. That's mm. great. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a better policy than they've got. <laughs> We will we will revitalize the British economy with these special drug addled um, gold sniffing people. <laughs> Remarkably, that's the actual answer that most of the ATOS uh, questionnaires <laughs> came out as. We can use you to sniff out gold. <laughs> um, 
but then yeah, she coughed and spluttered and coughed and spluttered. Um, they got all all of the Tories got up and applauded her to like cover for her. Yeah, talk and, uh, about fucking. Amber Rudd had to drag Boris up because he wasn't going to get up. Um, <laughs> talk about fucking like all that stuff about the Labour Party conference. Um, like just to return into the Labour Party conference for a second with all the coverage about it's like a cult, it's just like North Korea. And then in the Conservative Party conference, everybody literally stands up and applauds in order to cover something bad. Yeah. And the first person to sit down loses. Yeah. That, that, what the fuck? The news media is all covering the fact that but Boris didn't stand fast enough. <laughs> Perhaps he should be shot. <laughs> it's insane because they were like after the when the like the Tory party conference was starting and there was all the pictures of the massive em- the massive amounts of empty seats and there were people posting like side by side shots of Labour party conference yeah. huge amounts of people Conservative party conference a couple of monsters and then you'd have a response on Twitter it's like you don't see empty empty um, rallies in North Korea either <laughs> like, it's not North Korea that's right. why no one came to my birthday party <laughs> because it wasn't North Korea <laughs> Your birth- our birthday parties are North Korea. <laughs> yeah. People do have to come. <laughs> Otherwise, I will have a tantrum. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was. The Tory conference is shit. Of course, it's shit. They came out with a couple of really shitty ideas. Ed Miliband's Marxist idea to um, oh, fucking cap energy bills. Electricity cap, uh, yeah, price cap. Um, there was a thing about they're going to build some new rail, um, some new rail lines up in the Midlands. Oh, the Northern Powerhouse. The Northern Powerhouse thing came out again. Yeah. After precisely dick has happened yeah. in the last seven years. Yeah, and this is still like after, you know, you've got Wales with a, we've only got 25 miles of electrified rail. Can we have some more, please? Shut up, Wales. Have some <laughs> nuclear waste. Yes, you can. Actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, can we put a rail line to dump off more nuclear waste in you? We wouldn't like that then. No, no electric rail for you, Wales. <laughs> um, Was the coverage after Theresa May's speech... Hmm. Um, We'll get to the really funny bit in a second. Um, <laughs> just wait. It'll be great. <laughs> the Theresa May speech was the response as I thought it would be, which was all of the correspondents going, well, it's a different kind of Theresa May. She's really parked her tanks on Labour's lawn with her um, promise to build 25,000 houses. She didn't... Um they didn't say the parking the uh, tanks on Labour's yeah. lawn, but they did talk about how strong she is and how how she powered through adversity. The a adver- cough. Yeah, she powered through the adversity of her failing body. <laughs> <laughs> she like she's really taken it to her own body. Um, she really showed people who thought she was weak and that the Tories were a shambles by putting up a strong thing where she could barely get the words out and the best fucking thing at the end of the speech. It was during the speech. It was during the speech. The letters behind her in the slogan started falling off. And if it had been a slogan like A Stronger Britain, it would have been pretty funny. Yeah. The slogan was, uh, working together, for, uh, uh, a country that works for everyone. Yeah, so building a country. Uh, building that... a country that works for everyone. Yeah. And <laughs> fucking, the letters fall off. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. You couldn't write it. No. There is no more satire anymore. All the people who have said, well, people know too much about like what they're yeah. talking about for there to be satire. No, it's because our politicians have become satirical. It's why um, Figgy's Figgy's next film is the um, the death of Stalin. Yeah. <laughs> because you can't, He's can't really, go back. Yeah, you gotta go back to when there was, you know, some where you could make some comedy out of it when <laughs> the real life wasn't funnier. <laughs> um yeah, she was terrible and appalling and I think it was you know, see, um, the thing that was today was um, Philip Hammond, the man who made all of his money from a nursing agency where he... It was Jeremy Hunt. 
Jeremy Hunt. Jeremy Hunt did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the other one. Jeremy Hunt, who made all his money from a nursing agency where he brought a load of Filipino nurses to undercut wages. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, not undercut wages, but to destabilise the NHS. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, his great idea of Uber, but for nurses. Oh, man. Which is a great idea, because do you know what? Nurses... Part three of the redundant fucking ideas train that this conference was. It's like, and it, the, and I, was talking to, I was talking to my parents today about... Um, how bank nursing works because I've, it's been a while since I was anywhere near any of that stuff yeah. um, and agency nursing and all that stuff mm. and because they were, they were billing it as like it's like the bank system mm. but on your phone and sometimes if you want because some nurses want to do this you can do half a shift no. I asked my mum whether she'd do half a shift she said would she bollocks No. she said she couldn't be asked to get out of bed to do half a shift Yeah. Um, and this is part of their plan because they want to bring back a load of nurses they want to encourage more people to become nurses do you know what would encourage people to become nurses I don't know a nursing bursary yeah while they're training rather than make them come out of nurse training with a massive debt before working a job where they're treated like shit in one of the most stressful environments that exists in this country get paid nothing and then get given a phone app which turns you into turns your job into a zero contract (laughs) it's so dumb and it's so transparent what it's for yeah it's the, it's one of those things. It's one of the mo- the big modern lies. Like everybody has done the expose on Uber. Mm. Everybody has analysed Uber to fucking death. Mm. It's to cut wages. It's to destabilise a particular market. Mm. So it drives the the standards for employment in that and benefit bosses. Mm. That's what it's for. Mm. And they keep introducing it to other things and thinking that no one will notice. Yeah. If there's ever been a more pr- a proper criticism of. Uh, the idea of telling truth to power. It's like people have been telling truth to power for fucking ever. They know the truth. Yeah. They invented it. <laughs> oh, one other thing I wanted to say about actually Theresa May. Sorry, just go back yeah. to Theresa May's speech. The Frida Kahlo bracelet. Oh, God, yeah. Oh. <laughs> if you don't know, I'm kissing my fingers so hard they're splaying into the back of my spinal column. It's so good. Yeah, and if you don't know Frida Kahlo, bang Trotsky. <laughs> yeah, was literally a communist. Yeah, a communist artist in Mexico. Yeah, with bad taste in men. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that because um, I was saying to Mike earlier, mm. it's because the Tories, with regards to political history, are no different to a hipster who goes into Urban Outfitters and buys a Burzum shirt. <laughs> I like how it looks. It's literally the opposite of what you think. <laughs> but I like how it looks. <laughs> but and yeah. they, they definitely are trying to... They're just flailing trying to recapture any kind of momentum by... There was a lot of stuff like, oh, it's red... She's fully embracing red Toryism. As no, if that's a thing. No, it's not. It's like there's always been that there, and it's not red. No. It's patrician Toryism. Yeah. Yeah. The most the the most red they ever get is puce coloured when they're screaming about nuclear weapons. <laughs> um oh yeah, there was the other thing of Boris at a fringe meetings, you know, with his um Libya is a lot oh, yeah, of we mentioned it earlier. To clear the bodies. Uh he he was like the town of Certe, after the the civil war, um, there's some very clever people and a, a clever, amazing clever, entrepreneurs in the open air slave markets, <laughs> clever businessmen and clever businesses that want to turn Certe into the next Dubai. <laughs> now, bear in mind, he thinks this is a good thing. Yes, and he said, but all they've got to do is clear the bodies away first. Now, that is a man who wants to get sacked. I'm coming to believe your your theory yeah. from a couple of weeks ago, more and more, mm. that he wants to get sacked. He wants to step away from it 
with no uh, with like his face being saved. Put my yeah. money on David Davis running and being the Conservative leader at their next election. Well, he has said he's retiring after Brexit. Well, he said that in a bar. True. He says yeah. a lot of things in bars. No, no, he said that. Didn't he say that? He said it in an interview, I Did think. He? Yeah. But it's one of those things you can't you can't believe what they're well, saying they because it's like says. I fully support Theresa May and I want to see her lead us well, into the next election victory. If you believed everything a Tory says, mm. you'd be like Stella Creasy and say that there are more refugees coming from Venezuela than Syria. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you don't believe everything a Tory says. <laughs> Yeah, that's the Tory comment. Yeah, that was a Tory comment. It was, I, a, it was I, dead I, good to watch. And like, my reward watch. after watching all these fucking conferences is I'm going to, like, all of next week, I don't think I'm going to watch any politician do fuck all. I'm not. I mean, I'm they, hoping they won't do anything. Well, they will. They'll be there and they'll, they'll talk to me <laughs> through the TV or the radio. Maybe, I'll just, maybe I'm not going to listen to LBC for a week. Just close your eyes, they'll disappear. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, yeah, dumb Tories, Catalonia. Yeah. Yeah, this is the other big story this week. Yeah, the, this century, really. I mean, let's be honest. Well, yeah, actually, yeah. This is a big and this is a yeah. big. This is probably one of the biggest things in Europe since Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if you don't know, um, Catalonia is a bit Spain. Mm-hmm. Was it's a region of Spain that mm-hmm. doesn't like Spain. Um, and in general, it was when Frank when there was the Spanish Civil War. It was the last holdout. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the bit that Franco couldn't take. Mm-hmm. It was by the end. It was Madrid, which was Franco's Spain, and yeah. Barcelona, which was the capital of the Republic. Yeah, yeah. And then Franco won mm. because of the Nazis, and voila. Yeah. Then we have Spain, mm. and there's a lot of reasons why Catalonia doesn't like the rest of Spain. Mm. There's like there's the reasons why rich people don't like it. Mm. And that is because it, um, they make quite a lot of money. Catalonia is the, I think it's the richest uh, regions, uh, region of Spain. It's yeah. about responsible for about 19% of its GDP. Mm. Um, and so they get annoyed at how they have more, they, you know, they essentially they feel like, they feel like um, English people in the home counties feel about Scotland. Yeah. Um, but then there's the other bit as well, which is it does have its own language. It yes. has its own culture. Yeah. And this language and culture very much treated like shit. Yeah. By the Spanish, mm. and the weirdly city. enough, Catalonia actually the historic territory actually goes over the border into what's now f- uh, French Roussillon. That's, because isn't that the bit of it doesn't it, where, where they have bullfighting? I believe I so. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. over the Pyrenees. Well, it's over the Pyrenees, but over the border. Yeah, um, and so they wanted to have a referendum on independence. Mm-hmm. Spanish government said no. They yep. said that in the Spanish constitution. We all have to vote on whether you get a chance to. The kind of thing that arsehole Tories were saying when with the Scottish referendum. Yeah, they were trying to do that with the Scottish referendum. Yeah, that, as well, a, per, that a person in um, Bournemouth has just as much a right to the, <laughs> the, whether a Scottish person gets to be in their own country as a person in Glasgow. Yeah, which is stupid and dumb. Um, but they said that, so you're not allowed to have your referendum. They held the referendum anyway. Yes, and then we have brilliant scenes of. Hiding ballot boxes in in crypts mm-hmm. from the police, um, having decoy ballot boxes full yeah. of blank pieces of paper, and the police trying to kill everybody yeah. to stop them from voting. There was and a the very very being... violent crackdown on on yeah. voting in this in this thing. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a kind of complicated situation because, like, 
even comparing it to the Catalonia and the like the Civil War is not entirely uh, like totally you can't map them both onto Spain in the 30s and Spain no. now it's it's changed no there's, there's a lot more movement of people a lot more movement of people and things like that and kind of I am sympathetic definitely mm. to a Europe of kind of separate separate small principalities mm. I think it would lessen the imperial damage that Europe does on the rest of the world mm. but at the same time this I kind of came down on I kind of came down on being critical of it because the actual political leadership of this independence referendum is led by a bunch of dirtbag neoliberal people in the Catalonian government yeah, you just itself. just need to look at it to know that they weren't... They, they were be, not the people... Over the, it will be a fight over who's in charge. They afterwards. were not the people the, in the streets, yeah. hiding the ballot boxes, but... You Chanting know. outside police stations that this will be a library. Yeah. That was not a tech billionaire saying mm-mm, that. Mm-mm. Um, and the thing, in my opinion, on it is any, anyone that wants to not... Anyone that wants to be... Anyone that wants to have the... Like, be their own country, then they should be able to be their own country. Yeah. Maybe that's a hang-up of, like, colonial guilt. Mm-hmm. But I do think that... Everywhere, if like even like we, we took the piss out of them like in a very much earlier episode, but like Wessex separatists and and all that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Because you've got literally think, no connection to fucking Westminster. I think there's a difference between like you can't. He's like a lot of people have been comparing it to kind of Scotland, Wales. There was a, a like sympathy solidarity marches in Bret uh, in Breton areas in France. Yeah. Areas that have other languages or other cultures mm. and that have wanted to form their own polity for a mm. while. Mm. I don't think you can necessarily map everything as the same. Not no. all separatist regions are the same. No. So, for instance, like Tower Hamlets beca- having its own mayor and Canary Wharf talking about breaking away. I would not support no. that. Well, no, that's because different. that would be for a specifically capitalist reason. Yeah, but I don't... There's been... The kind the 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 money people who mm. are like organized well start has started it yes started the political process of yeah it, yeah um, they did what they always do which is they co-opted a thing that was always there yeah sure um, yeah it's like um, in general there's there's so many anarchists in Barcelona that don't like to be referred to as Spanish sure but you know they're yeah. anarchists <laughs> what else are they going to say. Um, but then we had other things coming out. Also, it's that thing of, yeah, it's going to be di- it would be difficult once they become independent. Um, but that is for them. It was like my thing with Scotland. It's like in general, it'll be harder for Scotland and Wales to exist outside of the general framework of Britain. But it is up for, is up to them, not up to people. Yeah, people, yeah. Uh, not up to people in vastly different parts of the country. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then what we had today, um, yes, today and yes, was today. Or yesterday, there was a general strike in Catalonia. Yeah, I think there was on Monday. Yeah, that was it. Um, there was a general strike on Monday. Yeah, and the yeah. king, the king of Spain, told them off because <laughs> you know that's how you get. That's how. What's that thing? It seems like if they won't listen, yeah, to their elected <laughs> parliament, then surely they will listen to literally the king of Spain. If they won't listen to this to some to some bureaucrat, perhaps they'll listen to a man ordained by God. <laughs> um, but it's like thing. The president of Spain is in the middle of a corruption scandal. Spain yeah. has massive youth unemployment. It has a lot of problems. So and it's a really if, good distraction. For if them. if the Catalonian government is neoliberal centre right, the Spanish government and the or the the, the ruling party well, is far, like quite far conservative. Yeah. Um, 
we saw that with scenes in um, Madrid with people singing Franco era songs and Zeke Heiling. So that kind yeah. of thing has not gone but away. Also, the population of Catalonia is not centre right. They are left. <laughs> they are left wing. They usually vote very much more to the left than the rest of Spain. Yeah, and it's sure. got that thing of. It's got that's the thing where there is a similarity with um, with somewhere like Wales. Yeah, Wales never votes to the right, but they are always ruled by a right a right wing government. Yeah, sure. No matter what, um, it's it, they're planning to declare their independence soon and yes. they're going to send in the army the Spanish state is going to send in the army yeah yeah hmm. that was the thing that was the last thing I read which yeah that's like oh brilliant civil war in Spain right wing Germany <laughs> a Britain that just looks inward <laughs> world war 2 2 <laughs> this time it's Tui-ya. the second time <laughs> world war 2 2 this time it's because it's not world war 3 it's yeah. World War Two too. And we we even have like a World War Two B. We have like a guffawing incompetent idiot scion of a wealthy family to lead us in Boris. <laughs> I did hear him described as Churchillian after his speech, which is just okay. seems just seems de facto. Like they just do it every time. It's only because like, of the oh, jowls. That was Churchillian. He shouted a bit. He, he shouted. raised his voice. He talked about how great Britain is and he has jowls. <laughs> um So the response to the um the Catalonian thing has been kind of more interesting because, like, I, I don't, I've got conflicted feelings about it. My favourite bit was the kind of second time we've mentioned him. Paul Mason uh, was in Barcelona yeah. covering the vote, yeah, and his kind of opening lines in his article that he wrote was like, "I'm standing here in front of thousands of civilized, uh, rational Europeans." White, and it's like he means white. He yeah. means this has happened in other places, but they're Slavs and Africans. Yeah. So therefore, this is this is crazy to me. These people are civilized. Why are they going to get state power? It's it that kind of rhetoric and that kind of like framing of it is fucking racist. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it is like it's nice seeing um, the people in solidarity with what's going on in Spain. It is interesting to see how very few of them gave two shits about a government plan to dump nuclear waste in Cardiff Bay. Yeah. Because of course they don't care, because the Wel- the Welsh thing and the Scottish thing is different. The rhetoric around, from even Liberals, mm. around the Scottish referendum was fucking poisonous. Yeah. And would be, I imagine, around a Welsh referendum. Yeah, if it ever happened. Yeah. But um, I've, the, the older I get, the more convinced I become that... The Welsh are possibly the most lumpen proletariat <laughs> population of any country, but they probably said that about the Russians. Yeah, <laughs> they would. They thought that the Russians would not be able to have a proper socialist government because mm. they were they were just ignorant peasants. Yeah, there's a there's a fantastic um, recording because they recorded everything in the Yalta conference towards mm. the end of the Second World War with Churchill, Stalin, and FDR. Mm. And there's some fantastic transcripts of the British delegation, all civil servants, upper-class mm. civil servants, talking to each other about um, Stalin and um, Molotov and the Russian delegation and saying, well, we'll have to... Like, basically, we'll have to dumb it down because they're just ignorant peasants. It's like <laughs> Stalin... I would not describe him as an ignorant peasant, no matter yeah. what you might say about him. <laughs> he wasn't the great... Like, he wasn't a great thinker like Lenin, yeah. but... He was greater... Was- <laughs> the man could fucking read. Yes, the man was smart, smarter than fucking Churchill. Yes, um, 
We're more honest. <laughs> <laughs> more honest than FDR as well. <laughs> he knew what he was about. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's going to be a thing for a while now. Because the, the, the thing is, it's like um, the Spanish state are doing literally everything that you would you shouldn't do in this situation. It was amazing, actually. I would, they went in so hard. It's like, if this wasn't a thing before, this is a thing now. Yeah. People will remember being battered. Yeah, because they wanted to vote. Because they wanted to vote. Dis- whatever you say about the legality of the well, vote, who fucking cares? Thing, it's legal power that, is a fiction. And that's the thing where you get the, um, the proper thing about how liberals, deep down, they're all a bunch of Nazis, really. Um, just the sheer amount of them saying, like, but they were, they, it was against the rules. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, oh, maybe they shouldn't have been shooting old people in the faces with rubber bullets, but they were breaking the rules. It hit and the rules <laughs> They're so the important, important. thing. Yeah. That, that's the impo- Nothing else matters. No, no. That's the two strands of their thought about this. Morality was, and rules are exactly the same thing. Yes. Morality is just the rules. Mm. Mm. It was the rule breaking, the two strands, and the kind of implicit racism around, well, this is Western Europe. This can't happen here. And yeah. it's like... Did you think you opted out of history when uh, the the Third Reich fell? Because yeah. that's kind of how it feels. That kind of how this this kind of has that kind of this. It feels like this kind of thing would be written in history books about kind of the fall of the consensus. I mean, the post war yeah. consensus. Because that the the post war consensus and American kind of imperialism and pattern mm. world power stuff has been the basis of everybody's experience of the world for the last seventy years. And obviously, it's starting to decline under Trump the imperial power, yeah. and the economic consensus definitely has been undermined mm. since Thatcher, and it's now kind of reaching its nadir. Yeah. And that kind of thinking, that Western Europe, that's that's civilised Europe, to, yeah. for want of any better word, I would not term it like that myself, but for want of a better word, civilised Europe, has somehow opted out of all of the things you read in history about yeah. civil wars and state crackdowns also, and state formation. Also, just... It's like, yeah, no shit they're fucking sending in the army. Because yeah. you know what you do when a bit of your territory has rebels in it? You send in the fucking armies. Have you yeah. people never played Europe or Europe Universalis? <laughs> and it's like, we do have form. Europe's yeah. a form for just blood soaked, like soaking the entire continent in blood. Uh, pretty much the drop of a hat or the nailing of a bit of paper on a wall <laughs> or anything like that. So, or 17 people marching into a post office. <laughs> which is kind of the... <laughs> A cogent simile there. Yeah. Like, you realise that Britain had literally occupying police and troops in Northern Ireland for the last 30 years. It only stopped being quite so on the surface in 1998. Yeah. And can very easily slip back into that. And very well might. (laughs) And very well might with Brexit and all that other mess. Yeah. It's just... Oh, God. I, um... Yeah. Liberal commentators and their love of the rules makes me feel physically sick. (laughs) It really does. It never, there's nothing that makes me feel more alienated and different from every single yeah. person with a column yeah. than anything to do with regional nationalist movements. Yeah, it's it's a thing that I've I'm still coming to terms with the mm. understanding of there is a significant difference between the nationalism I grew up around, mm-hmm. growing up in the southeast, yeah, and the nationalism of say a Scottish nationalist. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about like the nationalism thing a bit because yeah. a lot of people kind of bring up nationalism as a the word that is, it's a catch-all bad. Yeah, exactly. It's the it's the ultimate thing. Well, that's just nationalistic. 
these are usually the people who talk about you know the British working class and the white working class as indistinguishable categories. Yeah. But even leaving that aside, even people who don't talk like that, race nationalism is always the the spectre of the thing that is to be avoided. Mm. And like yeah, in general, I think that the kind of nationalism I grew up with is something to be avoided. It is comes down to a simple power dynamic. Yeah. If you are powerful and you're nationalistic, you are using that nationalism to oppress someone else, yeah. to repress something, or to otherwise impoverish hmm. people below you. There's a hierarchical element there. If, like Wales, I, I would I would not want Wales to go full, like, um, full-blown kind of culturally nationalist, because I also think it's kind of self-limiting. Yeah. But at the same time, I can definitely understand every reason why they would. Yeah. With, um, and would support a Welsh independence referendum, like I would. Well, it's, um, right. it's the thing that gets brought up. It's like, it's not the same. A nationalist in, say, uh, for example, like when if when it was on the cards that Scotland were about to were, were look like Scotland was going to leave, yeah, the Trident would be moved. Yeah, and what where was Trident going to be moved to? Was it going to be moved to um to anywhere near England? Would it fuck? It was going to be moved to West Wales. <laughs> really, course, I didn't. Yeah, of know course, that. it was going to be moved to West Wales because why would you put a fucking target anywhere near pink things with nice houses where English people live? So it was going to be moved. I would to have West. thought they would have moved to Newcastle. <laughs> well, yeah, no, no, no nice houses for no. I've never been to Newcastle. I've no idea if it's got nice houses or not. But I'm going with the ethnic stereotype. There we go. Oh, I've gone through Newcastle on train. It looked very pretty. Yeah, um, I had a friend who went to Newcastle who said it was very nice. But anyway, um, so yes, so the idea of um, like then Ply were very annoyed at the concept of moving Trident there because in general the people who are near nuclear weapons really dislike having them near them mm. because they're horrible. It's it would be much, I bet you that would this country would have a very different view on Trident if if the Trident program was based around like the Thames estuary. Yes. Then yeah. it would be a very specific view on it. Yeah. There'd be very different views on nuclear power if the nuclear power station wasn't at Hink, wasn't at Hinkley Point but was in fact on like Canvey Island. To de- to like make it even more personal and something that I read, I can't remember where somebody tweeted it the other day. You people who like cops, do you like cops when you're around them all the time? No, in uniform yeah. as public facing cops. Hmm. No, you don't. No. You like the idea of it, but you don't like it when it's up close. Yeah. Um and so the so like a Welsh nationalist saying, I do not want um, these British nuclear weapons anywhere mm. near me and I do not want you dumping radioactive waste near me Yeah, I want it away from my country mm. is not the same as someone flying a tatty um, George Cross, a tatty blood cross outside yeah. of their window saying immigrants out in a place that has half a percent of immigration yeah. it's not the same kind of nationalism mm. And it is. It's the power dynamic thing. It's an it's an imperial relationship, isn't mm. it? Because you have, I mean, in imperialism, I think we talked about this in the bit in the uh, the Europe episode. You have the traditional theory of imperialism is you have core and periphery countries, and even Marx even talks about this when he talks about Ireland yeah. back in the eighteen fifties, in that you can't say that the nationalism of a core country that benefits from flows of materials and flows of capital flowing into it at the expense of periphery countries. Mm. You can't say that their nationalism, their sense of themselves as a as a polity, because that's what it is. That's It's a political community organised around this idea of like ethnicity or a particular territory, something like that. You cannot say that the struggle for the struggle for nationalism that like UKIP say, we're going to free Britain, we're yeah. for Britain, we're going to get them away from Europe or whatever, is the same as the Welsh going, you have oppressed us for hundreds and hundreds of years and 
we this national struggle that we have is to get away from that and to yeah. build something better. Yeah. It's um it's not an end state is what it, I'm saying. It's the really fucked up thing of everything that is used as an idea of like we've got all the way from Catalonia now but everything that is known that's oh, like no, a I notion of Britain yeah. is actually English. Yeah. And Scotland Scotland and Wales Scotland has a different relationship with, with England but yeah. Wales does a very specific relationship with England yeah. and Wales is very much still a periphery country oh absolutely yeah um, I mean just... Scotland is as well but uh, Wales definitely is yeah it's got some it's got some things that it's it's provided things to the British Empire over the years Scotland has yeah. that make it uh, slightly higher in the pecking order well, than it has its own bourgeoisie that was there when it, yeah, when, it yeah. when, when they signed the deals to make them yes, part of yeah. Britain. They were the ones they, who signed the yeah, deals. They had a they have a ruling class. They mm. they've always had a ruling class. Mm. Um, whereas, and you just need to look at Wales to know that it's a fucking colony. Yeah. By the shape of their train lines, they have twenty five miles of electric rail, and they don't have any connection from north to south. It's just west to east. Yeah. Because that's the whole point of it, and you don't have that if it's a. If it's a county or a bit that's fully part of the country, you don't treat it like that. Mm. But yeah, but yeah, we'll talk about um, my issues with with that. We'll stuff. do a Wales episode at some point because you have some. Yeah, well, there's um, there's about if people should listen if you want to learn yeah. about Wales and how badly they're treated. You should listen to Desolation Radio. That's a very very good podcast. Yeah, that is good. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll move because yeah, the stuff it just drives me insane. And I think <laughs> my main issue with Wales, with regards to the Labour Party, is they need to do something. Yeah, about Wales, they need to do something to support Wales and not just expect their votes like yeah. they always do. And they have the worst MPs, they have the worst treatment. They're just treated like shit because they will always. They're not going to vote Tory. Yeah, um, they'll vote UKIP before they vote Tory, mm. which is weird. Yeah, I and mean, just to like round off the kind of the general kind of separatism bit mm. as well. Europe's going through a capitalist crisis. It has more surplus capital than it knows what to do with and refuses to spend it. It's yep. hoarding it and it has nothing to spend it on. It doesn't have the kind of the tech centres that America does. Even even America has, is having problems with that. And you would expect to see more of this kind of separatism as regions aren't serviced by the central state, mm. as those barriers break down, as those national barriers break down because of capital searching for new places to invest. You will see more of this because people will groups of people and polities, whether they be centre right as they are in Catalonia, or even people who have been kind of taken for granted as a proletariat group, proletarian group for generations like the Welsh have, you're going to see this kind of thing because there's no sense, there's no link yeah. anymore. There's no link between there's no benefit to being part of a central state. If your living conditions go down, it comes back down to not a nationalistic question of your particular historical dress or mm. the historical conditions or whether a particular language or ethnicity is tied to the land. Mm. It comes down to material conditions. Mm. Are you being, are your needs being met? And the answer to that across Europe and across the fucking world is no. Yeah. So you'll see more of this. Yeah. You saw it actually with Germany and where the, um, where the AFD got most of their mm. vote from. They got it from the GDR. Yeah. Because, and where is the most, which part of Germany has had the least investment? Mm. It's the GDR. Yeah. They still treat them like shit. Yeah. But, yeah. but um, so we'll keep an eye on 
Well, everyone should keep yeah. an eye on Kyle you because it's going to get real nasty, I reckon, before it gets even slightly better. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder I wonder how they're going. Because, I mean, the obvious answer would be they send in the army and that's it. But then you've got a, pop, a, a territory under occupation yeah. again, like the Northern Irish. Yeah. Northern Irish thing. Again, it's not exactly the same thing, but it is. They'll make it the same it's thing. Comparable. They'll, it's they'll, comparable. It's comparable. They will make a hardened... They are creating a hardened separatist movement. The Spanish state lit... I mean, I didn't hear a lot of stuff about the Basque region. Yeah. Which I would have thought the comparisons would have been flowing. Another region with its own language, its own culture. I believe it's a bit smaller than uh, oh. Catalonia. But with its own actual insurgent group dedicated to independence. Yeah. The Spanish state, up until 1987, I think, had a literal death squad... Yeah. operating in the Basque region. Yeah. And then there's some kind of surprise. It's like, oh, they're sending the police, they're sending the army in. I can't believe it. And it's like, A, have you ever read any history ever about <laughs> any state? B, they literally have formed a, in this in my lifetime. Yeah. They will do that. Yeah. I hope it doesn't go that way. Mm. Bosnia, South Ossetia, all had referendums before... Uh, before the war, yeah. Slovenia, all those areas in the Balkans had referendums for independence mm. before the Bosnian Wars started. Mm. And I don't see, I'm not opposed to a bit of like violent action if that, if it, I'm not necessarily opposed to violent action if it is to achieve a particular goal. But in those kind of civil wars, and they will, and under late capitalism, they will get ethni- ethnified, mm. these wars. That doesn't come out good for anybody. No. So I wouldn't want to see that. Hmm. But yeah. now you're going to the most important thing of the oh, last yeah. three weeks. Yeah. Star Trek. Fucking Star Trek's back. If you don't know this, if you can't tell already by our numerous Robocop references, <laughs> both big Star Trek fans. Both nerds. Yeah. Both, both massive fucking. Well, Star Trek. Ex-nerd? No, no, current Star nerds. Trek is still yeah. definitely our thing. Yeah. Um, very much our bag. Yeah. Um, Realizing, with like realizing it earlier, like the probably the reason why Star Trek is the one that survived with us rather than like Star Wars or any of those things is because politically Star Wars is very much in line with a lot of our beliefs, especially when we were growing up, of generally kind of peaceful but kind of post scarcity niceness. Yeah, <laughs> before we had it, we 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 had the warm feelings before we knew what post scarcity was. Yeah. And we hadn't realised it. Yeah, it was like, it was our jumping off point before reading the culture novels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the, that's the nerd, the nerd, nerd communism, the yeah. founding texts. Mm-hmm. You start with Star Trek, you go on to the culture novels by N.M. Banks, and then you end up kind of flirting with futurism for a little bit, and then you go straight into bollocks hard Barrett communism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we will, uh, there's been three episodes now, so there's going to be some spoilers. Yep. But the first two episodes, in my head, were utter dog shit, utter appalling. I liked them better than you did, That's I think. because you're a bad person. But they, uh, had, they been, kept, they kept all this. of the traditional stuff of Star Trek, of no subtext. Um, yeah, ter- that's what I was kind of happiest about. It's like, it's crap in just the right way. Yeah, terrible subtext. Um, nobody has any interior... Nobody has, oh, nobody has any interior monologue. It's no. all on the outside. They're narrating their own lives as they walk around these starships. Yeah, there's all of that stuff. But then they got rid of any of the kind of wistful hopefulness. The, um, yeah. the And they replaced it all with horrible cynicism and neocon reactionary warmongering. This ain't they, your grandpa's federation. Well, yeah, talking about the... like. 
the Klingons will only ever want war. They, over, they only ever want war. And then I think she, get, the main character, got brought brought up on it. So like, oh, I wouldn't go to a racial place, not with your upbringing. And it's like, no, it's not about race. It's about their culture. And it's like, oh my god, <laughs> oh Christ, Jesus, Steve Bannon, we do it in my Star Trek. Get out of my Star Trek. And that's before we even get to why they made Klingons look like weird bulbous space Egyptians. They look like beautiful space Egyptians. They're more like weird religious cultists than the space Viking samurais that we've come to know and love. But where's my targs? Where's my blood wine? That's what I want from my Klingons. You only had like about half hour with them in a very specific group of Klingons. They could still, they're probably still there. They're in the cannon. They're in the cannon. (laughs) The cannon is inside of you. Um, I did like the third episode, though. The third episode was yeah, very third episode good. Was and good. seems to be a lot of people seem to be the third yeah. episode very good. And like the thing that we're realizing is, what this new new Star Trek seems to be is we are with the evil crew that would be in an episode of Next Generation. You know, whenever they would have an episode of it's specifically Next Generation or Voyager, Voyager especially. And they would come across another Federation ship in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And they would seem to be quite powerful and getting along quite well. And it's because somewhere along the line, they had betrayed their um, like their good morality. Yeah. And so somebody would like look into a door and they'd be like torturing sentient beings. Yeah. Or they'd be like... Uh, milking doing, space cows. Yeah. <laughs> milking aliens or something like that. Yeah. And then they would try and get away. And then, yeah, then they would have to destroy the ship. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's that's who we're with. We're with and that ship. I just the thing I was realizing because I, I went on a memory alpha binge um, because every six of, months or so. Yeah, um, one of the big things in Star Trek, and it's one of my favorite storylines that went through it, mm. was um, especially with DS Nine was Section Thirty One, the evil yeah. bit of the Federation, the Federation CIA. Yeah, um, the ones that do all the bad things mm. and give and don't adhere to any of the the high morals of the Federation. Yeah. And just generally commit war crimes and atrocities yeah. on a massive scale. Mm. And the end of the Section 31 story in DS9 had exactly why I really loved DS9 and really loved Star Trek. Yeah. And that is, they're try- the, the last agent of Section 31 is trying to recruit Bashir to, yeah. to take over after him. And Bashir convinces him that his whole life has been for naught and that he's wrong. Yeah. And he pretty much lets him... He just dies. He gives up and just dies. Yeah. Because he realises that blind ideology is no replacement for kindness and decency. And it's like, <laughs> oh, yes. I was very young. Yeah. But, you know... Kind of, don't, I, don't, I don't mind You don't that. need to have kill squads. It's, it's, Basically, <laughs> you don't need space kill squads. It was always that thing of, like, it had... It was very hackneyed in a lot of places. It was especially with Picard. I feel like he was given to well, giving. The only way, the he was giving. Act. He was giving. No, no, no. It wasn't necessarily like. You don't like hire a patch- fesp unless you're gonna get full fesp. Hurish <laughs> <laughs> you! I die. <laughs> um, he would give these speeches, mm. and they would seem incredibly out of place. Not like anything anyone would ever actually say in real life. Mm. And yet, it, it moulded what it was, which was Gene Roddenberry's particular kind of idea of what the future would be like if everything was better. Well, Next Generation. Next Generation, the only thing that was left of Gene Roddenberry was, the, was his fear uh, he's, of space. No, he does the first couple of episodes, uh, no. first couple of series, yeah. Mm, no, he does. no, 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 no. I can tell yeah. you, the reason why Star Trek came back mm-hmm. was because of the writer's strike. Gene Roddenberry was persona non grata for a while. Yeah, he was. Then there was the writer's strike, and they literally had a box of scripts for Excuse the me, persona first... non grata? Have you forgotten about a little thing called Andromeda? <laughs> <laughs> that came after the I did, yeah, I did. And so did Conflict Earth, and there was another one as well. 
But yeah, they did um, Farscape. That was another one as well that came that was, out. Was that his? Yeah, that was that? another one. They had this big box of scripts that were completely unedited. And <laughs> the Star Trek, the first series of Star Trek Next Generation was Gene Roddenberry's unfiltered views. Yeah. And that's why the Ferengi are space Jews with whips and a space slave trade. And they're really, really, it's super racist. It's super bad. And it has stupid Wesley. They're like hissing space snakes. They're horrifying. <laughs> And they only get sexual gratification from rubbing their ears because Gene Roddenberry was a smart man. And it's like, well, this way I can't be brought up by the Anti-Defamation League. But it was Space Jews. Because it was, that was the thing. He was um, With Star Trek, his fears was like, um, with the Romulans, it was Chinese communism. With um, the Klingons, it was Russian communism. Hmm. And then with Star Trek Next Generation, his final fear before he died was Jews. Because he's in, he was insane. Well, with the Klingons as well, it was like that... Like, it had a racial element as well because they all looked like Mongols. Yeah. They all has that kind of Eurasian kind mm. of uh, ah the threat the Eastern Dragon rises. You know? Yeah, um, but that's why like the first series of Next Generation is particularly weird because they're unedited first drafts. Yeah, they're yeah. terrible. There's I think there's even they're like, not good. No. There's even like really weird things with like costume choices. There's quite a few scenes where you see like men in miniskirts in the background. Yeah. But <laughs> apparently the the actors said it was agony to wear them because they were all like these like. Velour leotards, <laughs> so great, and you couldn't sit in them, yeah. so they developed massive back problems because yeah. their bodies were being f- contorted into shapes. But then Star Trek got better, like with um, DS Nine having brilliant Black Captain refusing to go to the holodeck to their jazz club because the holodeck jazz club was set in a time when um, America had segregation, so yeah. he flat out refused to go in because Avery Brooks, pretty great. Also, they had the two part story where. They travel back in time, and he's a struggling black sci-fi writer during yeah. civil rights. That again, that was like overacted, but of course they're it's all really like, good. You don't, you don't was hire 90, a subtle actor for was, Star Trek. It was nineties episodic TV, yeah. you know, the best kind. <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm hopeful that what they're doing with this Star Trek is the message will generally be that that kind of neocon warmongering is yeah. terrible. It was especially in the first episode I kind of got really pissed off with the bit where, so they're facing off against the Klingon ship and they're like, oh, are they going to fire? Should we fire? No, we're the Federation. We do peaceful stuff. And she's the only one running around saying, we have to fire first, we have to fire first. Mm. And it's like that perfect fucking Warhawk neocon outlook yeah. of the Donald Rumsfelds of, you don't know the threat that Russia yeah. faces, that you fa- that is faced by Russia. Like Team B shit. Yeah. The um, team within the CIA that was set up specifically, specifically to exaggerate the Russian threat to yeah. justify an arms race. Mm. And yeah. it's that kind of thing. If you don't understand the threat, I understand. Only I understand the threat. Mm. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it was really yeah. rubbing me very much the wrong way. But then in the last episode, thingy, was it Jacob Isaacs turned up? Uh, Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs yeah. turned up as horrific, sketchy captain mm. with his crazy, evil, dark eyes and his penchant for warmongering but now it's portrayed as a bad thing rather than being portrayed as the smart thing all he needs to do is start quoting Shakespeare like Tybalt or someone and we are fucking set (laughs) Star Trek is back I am 15 (laughs) my hair is all still on my head (laughs) yeah oh god I really do look like I was 15 at the moment that's a conscious choice mate I don't know. I think it just happens. <laughs> it's not a midlife crisis. 
Well, it wouldn't be the first, would it? <laughs> I had numerous midlife crises already. Yeah. But all building up to one massive volcanic midlife crisis. <laughs> when I buy Jinkos. <laughs> when I buy Jinkos and say, you know that first Korn album? Really good. It really holds up. Does not. Does not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's the end of the episode, I think. We've come up to our allotted time. You can, as usual, subscribe to us on iTunes. Or you can follow us, well, and or, and you can follow us at WDTATW underscore podcast. You can follow me at BM Bergamo, and you can follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing on Twitter. Yep. Uh, yeah. If you have any feedback, yeah. do you want to hear more about Star Trek? Because I'm willing to turn this into a fucking all day, all every day Star Trek podcast. Yeah, yeah I could... I. I could fill hours on my musings on the brief. Yeah, I really could. Which is <laughs> disgusting. Talk and at a, the same time, brilliant. Talk about how great Iggy Pop was. Yeah. That great episode of Disney. Yeah. But yeah, if you'd like this to stop being a politics yeah. podcast and become an entirely Star Trek podcast, then yeah. All we- you have to do is ask. <laughs> or not ask. Or I'll break away and form my own separatist Star Trek podcast. <laughs> I'll send it the other. <laughs> I'll start. Actually, I'll start a Patreon, a Patreon, a threatening Patreon that you either give us money or yeah, give us money or we'll just start talking about Star Trek every episode. <laughs> I don't know how we force people to listen. But yeah, it'll happen. Yeah. All right. All right that's it for us this week. Right. See you later. Bye. Fighting am the least about the fighting game when Mr. Hoover said to cut my